Welcome back, everybody. Tricky Bits with Rob and PJ. The date today is February 12th, 2024. And part of that is that we're going to be doing a little bit of after-action report on some of the things we've talked about in the past. So if you haven't listened to our AR episode, you might want to go back and do that. If you haven't looked listened to some of our discussions about the big tech companies and their layoffs, you might want to listen to that one as well. You can obviously pick it up right from here, and that's A-OK. But first off, we're going to start with Apple. So we had talked a little bit about the Vision Pro coming out. We talked about augmented reality. And we had a few predictions, Rob, about what was going to happen. And now the reviews are out. So, Rob, how closely have the reviews been tracking with what you have been, with what you predicted previously? As I said before, AR has this massive wow factor. When you first pull it on your head, you're like, whoa, I've never seen anything like this before. And your head starts, you start to go crazy with all the ideas that you think of. I could do this, I could do that. In, in theory, you could do all of these things, whatever they may be. Simply, reality is the technology doesn't really fit any of those use cases. And I think over time, you'll see it with the other devices. It's, oh, it's boom, amazing. And then you've seen aliens come out of the wall plenty of times, and you're like, okay, I'm fed up with this. The killer app. And I think that's exactly what's going on with the Vision Pro right now. It's People are like, yeah, it's really cool. It does a really good job at what it does. No killer app for $3,500 is a steep sell. And it may become an enterprise thing. It may become a business meeting thing, just so you can make Zoom calls even more weird. I think that's where it's going to go. Without a consumer killer app, people are not going to pay $3,500 for that device. The reviews kind of go along with that. All the initial reviews are, it's good, but. And some reviews now, they've used it longer. It's like, well, now what? So I think it'll play out exactly like we said it would. And I think it has to play out that way because it's not going to be, people aren't rushing out to buy it. So, and never were with that price tag. So it's not going to be a market saturation device. I, I agree. One of the, one of the fun things and we talked about this a lot in, in the AR episode on Vision Pro, everyone who got a chance to use it, got a chance to use it for like five minutes at the announcement last June. And it was like, oh, my God, like you said, it's exciting. It's like, oh, I can see where all this stuff can be and what it can do. And we have had six, seven months of basically run up of anticipation where people have been using their imagination to like everything that it could possibly be. And to be fair, there are some reviewers that actually love it. And I think there's a lot of reviewers, though, that are trying to love it. Like they don't actually want to admit to themselves that they were wrong. And so there's a lot of couching of, oh, we can see where the future is going, or we can see that this is first-generation hardware. And I think they're really trying to satisfy that kind of emotional need to say, yeah, this kind of stinks, but I don't want to admit that the thing I was looking forward to for the last seven months is a bit of a dud. And I don't want to admit that Apple basically may have just shipped, and this is from a different podcast that I listened to, but they may have shipped a new version of the Newton, which is something that's a little bit ahead of its time. I agree. And I think in 10 years, we'll look back and we might have the same Newton story. The hardware is great. The concept is great. It's just that we can't do the killer apps that I think we have to be able to do. The first killer app is take this thing outdoors and 
do outside things with it. And right now, people are just using it as goggles when it's outside. But I did say in the AR episode, it won't take long for someone to drive in this thing. And I was absolutely right, because some idiot <laughs> did drive. It was a self-driving Tesla, so it technically wasn't driving. He had it on while driving his Tesla. It was guaranteed to happen. But it doesn't have good enough hardware to work outdoors, as we talked about in the AR episode. I'm not going to repeat all of that. Go listen to it. All the killer apps are outdoors. And yep. without the outdoor and the outdoor features, it's not going to work outdoors. And no, right now, no one's going to walk around with this thing on the head, even if it has life pass-through. It looks ridiculous. Unless you're skiing, you could probably pull it off skiing. I actually listened to a podcast recently where someone has done the skiing test. Somebody, I watched a, I think it was New York Times re- yes. reporter who left it, on, left it on her head for 24 hours. Yes. And uh, I didn't think she slept in it, but she did go skiing in it. But they did close the hill. It was all organized. So they did right. close the hill right. so she could ski by herself. Um, but at that point, you're just watching a video of what's in front of you. Right. There's no app to assist you in skiing. It's like, can you wear this? Well, it's a camera feeding a display in your face. So technically, you could do anything outdoors yep. in it. But why? I can see with my eyes. I don't need to see my eyes on a panel that gives me eye strain. That's just a camera feed. If you're not going to mark up that video feed with augmented reality content, yeah. which is the whole purpose of the device, then why wear it at all? I'll just put a piece of glass in front of my face. One of the use cases that I keep hearing about where people are really excited about this is, oh, it's the best entertainment device ever because we have a huge screen, which I'll double down on my statement, which is that is a VR application, not an AR application. Like, I don't... It is. I mean, I don't care. Quest could do the same thing. Absolutely. And I... I really want us to try and find someone who is actively using it right now just to see their excitement in this moment because I think this is the highlight. I think this is the high watermark of the excitement is right now. And my prediction I'm going to make on this is that most people will not be using this on a regular basis in six months. If you've got it today, I totally agree. you won't be using I, it. I might be like long. I might be, it might be three months. It might be a year, but it's going to be a short time. Unless they can get that price down to the Quest price where more people will buy it and you'll get more inherent users that way, that it's not going to be a device. Like I said, the Quest could easily do the same video playback yes. as the Vision Pro can do. doesn't have quite as good screens, but good enough. And the whole idea of having a big display, you're sitting on an airplane seat, you don't want to deal with the airplane, you just put your Vision Pro on, you watch a movie on a big screen, totally Im- immersed that is a fully a VR application. Absolutely. It's not even a VR application. It's just a, a side effect of having a display on your face. Yes. It doesn't track with your head. So it's technically not even VR, but we have a lot more R&D and a lot more app development experience in that VR space than we do in the AR space. The AR space, like I said, isn't about technology. The technology has been around since before Magic Leap. Yep. Magic Leap probably were the first ones to pull it together. The problem with AR is understanding what you're looking yep. at. Like I said, you put it on skiing and you go down the ski slope and like, does it even know you're on a ski slope? Right. Which ski slope are you on? What information is it going to give you? If it's just going to give you GPS speed, I can already buy a pair of glasses that give me GPS speed in my display. That's not an AR application. Agreed. AR applications, true AR applications are few and far between and incredible incredibly hard to develop and incredibly hard to contain that they always give you the correct experience. 100%. AR apps break so easily 
Because like I said, my kitchen isn't your kitchen. So if I have an AR app that works in the kitchen, it's it's going to have a hard time knowing if it's a kitchen. Now, there are some cool things on the Vision Pro. One demo that I saw was the timers where you could put a timer on top of a saucepan and be like, okay, 10 minutes for this one and 15 minutes I heard minutes about this one, one. yeah. And the timers would just sit above the pans and you're wearing it in the kitchen and they're away cooking. And the timers, you can basically place them in space, which is a, a novel thing. It's an AR thing. Having a timer attached to a thing in the real world is kind of nice. So there are little little bits of hope. Yeah, that I get AR it. AR could solve these things, but they're so they're so insignificant, trivial in in the grand scheme of they're things. They're niche. That they're very it doesn't niche. Matter. I'm not going to cook in my Vision Pro just so I can stick a timer to the wall. Correct. When I can just shout across the room to Siri and make her do a timer, uh, uh, or or you know. Order. Or put a timer on your phone. You can do multiple timers on, yeah. on your or, iPhone. You know, you know what else you can do? You can buy timers. They could do that too. Twist them. They cost like 99 cents. Yep. I can have one for each burner on my stove for $4. I can spend the rest of it in the pub. <laughs> it's probably well less than the regulatory fee of buying the Apple Vision Pro. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't think, I think we're going to see it just taper away and it's like, okay, it exists. No one cares. If there is any kind of enterprise a- applications for it, I don't think Apple will jump on that. They are a consumer company, they want to have consumer scale. I agree. And the enterprises already, like HoloLens still exists in enterprise space. and Yeah, it's like, why bother? So they're doing military contracts and things like that. Right. I think that space is taken. I think Magic Leap's trying to get into that space, and Microsoft is like, no, we've, we are the enterprise company. We've been Agreed. here for years. Agreed. In all, in all fronts, it, HoloLens integrates with uh, office backends and things like that, and all the backend yeah. databases. The ecosystem for enterprise is the Microsoft ecosystem, and... HoloLens is perfectly placed for that. I do believe there's a middle ground, though. It's not enterprise and it's not consumer. It's the business space. It's still consumer-orientated, but you are in the business environment, such as things like virtual avatars for Zoom calls and FaceTime and things like that. But like I said, it just makes it more weird. Some of the avatars that I've seen, it kind of does scan your face and... It just kind of makes you look like this weird, washed-out uh, robot. It, it, uh, it's bizarre in that it, the, the face that it makes. And I had my face scanned when I was at Apple doing this, and I never saw the results. So I, I, uh, I'd like to find that, and I, if I can, I doubt I can have to do it again on a, on a real device. I am disinclined that that's going to work. I actually believe that for where we're at currently, the uncanny valley oh, problem we have, we is something have. we have not solved. And if anything... We need to actually back away from the Ancani Valley if you want to have something that has more empathy. I would love to get into this as a separate podcast. My sort of thesis is that C-3PO has more empathy than some of these robots you see coming out today where they're supposed to yeah, be it, it's true. human and it's, it, based. I think that's a market. They, that's the only market that can afford it. This is why I think it will be used because people will have it and basically need to use it. So it's like, I'll just do a Zoom call in it. But like I said, it's going to make Zoom calls more weird than they already are. More delightful and yeah, more isolating. Yeah, and that's the other thing too. If, like, if you have two people side by side, are they both going to wear them and just be isolating themselves but be in the same meeting? Oh my God. Like you could just take those off and be in the same room and it looks kind of like this virtual world, but it's real. And you can write on pieces, pieces of paper and give it to each other. 
These are all magic things. There's a whiteboard over there. I can write on that with a pen with no latency, and you can see it in real time. Reality is the ultimate virtual reality. Exactly. So that's what I think. I think it'll burn out and be like, okay, we're done. What I am interested in is this is the Vision Pro, and based on Apple's naming conventions, will there be a Vision without the Pro moniker, which is cheaper? And how much cheaper can it be and still be of that same quality hardware? The hardware, by the way, I worked on it. It is fantastic hardware. That's why it costs so much, even if you factor in the Apple tax. It's still a, a fantastic piece of hardware. I don't believe they can do anything remotely like that same experience for a lower cost. I agree. So... It may be a time factor, let technology get better, then we can make it better, make it cheaper. But by then, people will be fine. I agree. So we should check in in three months to see what our predictions look like. Is the Vision Pro still a thing? Okay, we'll do it. Okay. Let us hop over to something that came out in the last 24 hours. People are chatting about it, and it's Amazon and Alphabet. So... Meta, in its earnings call, issued a statement that they're going to be finally issuing dividends. And this caused the stock price to jump about 20%. I mean, they also had a a tremendous quarter. This is coming off of a year of efficiency, as Zuckerberg called it. And they laid off a whole lot of people. Now, at the same time, Amazon and Alphabet also did a whole slew last year and then a bunch this year. So a story came out where Goldman Sachs analysts think that Amazon and Alphabet will have dividends in 2024. And I did write a blog post about this last week. I'll link it into the show notes. One of the things I find fascinating, Rob, is that the headlines for this have been a little bit, I think, overblown, where it seems like they almost have inside information And I do want to temper this slightly. I'm not sure if you have a particular take on this before I start going into my own rants. Go on on your rant and I'll I'll interject. Okay. So a lot of my insights that I wrote into the blog post were trying to piece out that Meta was one of the largest tech companies that hadn't paid a dividend out. Apple has done it for years, you know, after Steve Jobs' death. Microsoft has done it for years. It it is a hallmark of, let's say, a company that's ending its growth period and entering into a more mature blue chip period. Not, It's always a little bit fuzzy. So the statements that are made of the headlines are like, yes, they think Amazon and Alphabet will have dividends in 2024. When you actually start trying to dig in, and I've been trying to find the actual Goldman Sachs note on this, it's a little bit more tempered because, you know, the, the statements... And this is from, I, I got this out of Psychic Alpha. Costin, who's the, the analyst, the chief analyst, I believe, of Goldman Sachs, said, Google and Amazon are the two largest stocks that currently don't pay a dividend, but have fundamentals that are historically implied higher odds of initiating a dividend relative to peers. And that's a different statement because you're just saying historically these companies in these similar positions would initiate a dividend. I agree with the notion that I think Wall Street will be putting more pressure onto Amazon and Alphabet to start issuing dividends. 
But there's not a smoking gun here for me. Like, this is not saying there's some new information that we've been given. It's basically like historically this has been true. And I agree. And that's what I was going to say at the start. It's, it's, they're in a position to pay a dividend. They are. Have been, have been for years. And you've got to think that position has to be a quite strong position. You're committing to several billion dollars in cash. 100%. Per year. And, and they both have that. They both, they both make enough profit that they could pay that. It does signify that transition that you talked about. And it it signifies, like I said, the whole new way of thinking of it becomes a more driven by shareholders than driven by growth. And you've got to think, we talked about this before, like Meta ran out of people. So it has little choice yep. for direct growth. It now has to expand the platforms to make them more usable to get growth. But it's still a massive advertising platform. So it has a huge amount of cash. Let's pay some of that back. And I also think there's a bit of a me too here. The analysts are just looking, well, Meta did it with these... I, I agree. This criteria, and like, who else could do it? And it's ob the obvious suspects is the, the answer. It didn't take an analyst to come up with that one. And it's, there's a bit of me too here. Like, maybe Amazon can do the same thing and get a 20% stock boost. And that's where the Wall Street pressure will come from. And maybe they'll do it, maybe they won't. But it's only a blip in time. Over time, it's fundamentally changes how the companies work internally. Money that was earmarked for this is now earmarked for dividends. And traditionally, Amazon doesn't have that much cash, though. So if Amazon may not, in my eyes, wouldn't be the one. Google, for sure. Amazon, I, I don't really look that closely at their at their numbers, but they've always been the one who like kind of doesn't make any money. They just put it all back into growth. Maybe that's changing. But yeah, Google, for sure, is the one you would think would pay a dividend and currently doesn't. I'll tell you, uh, my take on it is this, is that you're right. Amazon has no, never had a lot of cash on hand. They have tended to reinvest, and they've reinvested really heavily in logistics. They've reinvested in their products. They've reinvested in AWS, which they're still the leader in that space. They have done a tremendous job at the same time of being very fiscally responsible. Amazon, I mean, has a graveyard of its own of products, and... The reason those, it has a graveyard is that it tried those products in the marketplace, wasn't able to create a profitability story from it, and then killed it. And they were always really clear about that. Like, these are about profitability. Can we make this something sustainable economically? So it's, it's fascinating because you're right. Amazon doesn't have a lot of cash on hand for this sort of thing. Yet, they've been much, much more fiscally disciplined than Alphabet. <laughs> Alphabet... Yeah has got a huge amount of cash and they're similar in some, I mean, they're similar in that way to Apple, but they really only have a small offering of products that actually provide profitability, you know, search ads, YouTube, tube ads, and they're trying to build a business out of GCP. So it, it like on, if one company had the fiscal discipline and the money, yes, I would see that as being like really obvious in terms of taking the path of giving a dividend. But each of them basically have this sort of orthogonal set of characteristics that indicate that, you know, Amazon is not in a position, in my mind, to be paying out a dividend. And Alphabet is still running, I think, fairly inefficiently to be paying out of a, a dividend. And there's one other bit to Alphabet that I'll get to in a second. So do you think 
if they do pay a dividend, it's going to be purely Wall Street pressure after Meta did the buyback of shares, which boosted the stock price, and the dividend, which also boosted the stock price, resulting in a 20% boost. That's a huge instantaneous gain. And I think the institution at all holders don't care about the dividend. They like, oh, if it's going to instantaneously boost me 20%, we can uh, we can time some some quick trades on that and make a crap ton of money and then put it in some other stock. I got to talk about this in the in the the blog post. So Amazon has only ever issued one type of stock, common stock. There's a plurality that's owned by Jeff Bezos, but the reason why it's important is that that stock, it's only one type of stock. Like as far as I know, it doesn't have any special classes of stock for voting shares. So there is more opportunity, I think, for Amazon to have a vote that actually would vote for something like the dividends. I, and I, I apologize, I don't know the exact you know, breakdown of who owns what stock, but there, there's an actual opportunity for a forum to take place to vote whether or not the shareholders want to have dividend. Why am I stating this? I'm stating this because Alphabet is different. Alphabet, Alphabet has actually three classes of stock, A, B, and C. B is not traded on the open market. A and C are. A has voting rights. B has voting rights. C does not. The thing about the B class, though, is it has 10x the voting rights. So even though, like Larry, Sergey, Eric, and a few, a few of the board of directors, I think, have this, this small amount of B class stock, they have the ability to have outsized voting rights over the A side of things. So why am I going through all of this? The decision whether or not to pay out the dividend is going to be completely up to Larry, Sergey, and Eric, and a few others. And I think if they decide to do it, they're going to do it because, like, look, there's a huge boost that we can have to our personal fortunes by effectively saying we, get, we want to have dividends. So it, the, the Wall Street pressure, I think, is really going to be whether or not they want to increase their fortunes, Frank, Like you said, you went into the whole hiring thing in the past of like how this affects hiring. I don't think it makes any difference in the long term. You still get a stock grant. You still get this. You might get less because the shares are worth more, blah, blah, blah. I don't think it, it directly affects the hiring and firing of people. I do think it uh, it might change who wants to go there. And it it does change at the back end the amount of money available for projects that these programmers may be working on. Or not as programmers, but anybody who goes to work yep. there. And it's, it does literally change the allocation of the cash. And if one division starts to generate all the money, which is what happens in... Google quite a lot is one division yeah. makes all the money, one division pays the dividend. It basically becomes a A to B transfer and all the teams do start to get left out. So I think there are subtle things that can happen along the way, but I think immediately it's not going to change so, much on the higher and fire and I, I'm actually, I'm going to keep doubling down on my statement that I think this does change the hiring and firing. And the reason why is that Meta spent the last year in what they called the year of efficiency, and they let go 20% of their staff. It was a large number. So I think they were planning on this dividend thing for a long time, at least a year. 
No, I'm sure with, they were. It's not something you just pull out your ass one day and like, let's pay a dividend. And, and so if Amazon and Alphabet are going to be feeling similar pressure, then I think what would be the sign of this coming would be, hey, we have to do a similar thing that Meta did. We're going to actually keep doing layoffs. So I think it actually accelerates the number of layoffs we would see from these companies if they're planning on doing a dividend. Now, my only data point is that prior to the meta announcement, Sundar had sent off an email. Again, this got leaked, so this is not private news, that there were going to be more layoffs at Alphabet. They didn't say exactly when yet but or how many or how big or whatever, but this was something that was going to be happening. It's impossible to run the scenario both times, but does that mean that we'd see even more layoffs now because Google slash Alphabet wants to catch up to what Meta did or like signal to the marketplace that, hey, we're going to be paying out a dividend and we're going to be doing our own efficiency by laying off a whole bunch of people. I still think that the layoffs are the sign. Like we start seeing significant percentages of Alphabet getting laid off, Amazon getting laid off. I think this is the sign for a dividend coming. And I think that this would be, it's a little harder to do now as a surprise. Like I don't think you'd see a one day run up of 20% for these companies, but I do think that the market would basically over the next year start increasingly rewarding these companies for doing layoffs because they believe a dividend's coming. So I think that's another approach that could be happening here is that they will do layoffs that makes the market think, hey, a dividend's coming, let's increase the stock price because Meta did it. Well, Meta also did the whole year of efficiency thing, which was more than just layoffs. It was literally a year of efficiency, which included layoffs. Uh, are the other companies doing anything else other than laying off and calling it efficiency? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I've stated this before pretty, pretty blatantly on the layoffs episode. Unless I start to see Sundar actually like turning down whole product areas where it's like, hey, we're selling off this division. We're not going to do maps anymore. We're not going to do drive or we're not going to do you know, pick anything that's not making money for them to actually make bigger signals like, hey, we're actually like getting into something that's much more efficient, much more lean, much more focused on our core offerings here. Did they kind of do that with the X division of saying they're not going to fund it internally anymore? They're going to look for external venture funding? Isn't, a, that, isn't that a step in that direction? Um, I mean, I think it's a drop in the bucket in my mind. I mean... The structure of Alphabet as it is always had this desire to have, if you're under the Alphabet umbrella, then anything that's not Google has this opportunity for outside investment. I think Waymo might be getting outside investment from somewhere else as well. It's a good question though, basically, if it's like, hey, X, you got to go find your own money. And that's literally kind of anyone. what they said. It wasn't like you can get your own external funding. It was you kind of now have to go and find your external funding because Google and the venture arm of Google, I assume, isn't going to fund the internal projects yeah. anymore. So it's kind of it's, it's going down that path in my eyes. You bring up a really good point, which is like look at the flotilla of companies that are under Alphabet and they will probably be the ones that get hit first. Where it's like, go find funding. If you can't find funding, we're going to be letting you go. And the more you see of that at the, the sort of edges of Google, if you will, 
where I'm talking about, I think the big things that need to be done are within Google, which is like, look, we only have a few product areas that are really actually making money. And the ones that are not are either going to be reduced or sold off or gotten rid of. And that's the areas I'm not certain. I think those are, the areas, those are the things that need to be done to get it into something that's lean. I don't know if, it's, if it is the moves that Sundar has got the guts to do. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, Amazon, I think, is is going to be more interesting in this arena because if they are going to end up going down the route of dividends, I think there's some more trimming that they would do. Who knows? Maybe they just say, we're not going to make you know, Lord of the Rings anymore because that's costing us several billion dollars to actually go do. And so maybe their content division is an area where that would be something either they would let go of because it's a lot of money getting dumped into that with, I'm not sure exactly how much return. Or we go back and say like, hey, content should be everywhere. So Amazon starts putting its stuff on Netflix and Hulu. I think similar things will be done with Amazon in terms of trimming if it wants to pay out a dividend. So I do agree that content is king, but to a limit. It's, I think a lot of these companies make content because they want to be the next killer content. They're now the owner of the next Lord of the Rings. If you step into a content such as the Lord of the Rings at its midlife, end of life, wherever it is right now, it's incredibly expensive. It's incredibly valuable. I don't think you get any return from that. It's, yeah. If you were the owner, like the founder and developer of Lord of the Rings, sure, massive returns. But stepping in at the end game is, is not what I mean by content everywhere. I agree. I agree. And I think this is where there's going to be a lot of scrutiny about what the return on investment of this content development really is. But I also think that Amazon are looking at a lot of other content. They have a, like starting to be a more traditional games publisher. I think it's easier to cut that content for small developers than it is to cut Lord of the Rings content, which will have a huge public optics problem. And also it's potentially like better lawyers who make the deal so it can't be cut or at least huge paybacks if it gets cut which some of the smaller developers may not have so i think it may affect the smaller developers in the content realm more than the lord of the rings even though lord of the rings is taking all the money and it's not going to make anywhere near enough money to make up for it i, I so i'll agree with you i think the 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 game developers will be affected i think the lawyer agreements are probably what holds this stuff together. I have never been convinced on the, oh, people will get upset with Amazon if they kill Lord of the Rings. Part of my premise is that, like, no one's going to, if they killed Lord of the Rings, no one's going to stop buying Amazon. Like, that to me feels like a, a silly argument. Like, I've never, and, but I made this about Google. Like, it's like, if Google let go of any major thing, like Google Drive or Photos or you know, pick anything except maybe YouTube, uh, but that makes money for them. If you if they let go of any product that wasn't making money, it's not as if people are going to stop using Google as a search engine. So I I've always thought there's been this particular fear, and I've heard it at multiple tech companies now where oh we can't cut that because it's bad PR. It's like eh, not really. You'll piss off a few people, but you know. Most people, the vast, vast majority of people are still going to use your core services that are making you money. The Amazon one's an interesting one because I did stop using Amazon Prime because of the ads on Amazon Video. It annoyed me so much, I stopped using it. I actually made a spreadsheet and went through 
all my orders of the last things for the last year and added yeah. up the shipping cost of like if I actually bought this and paid for shipping, would it have cost it the cost about the same? I don't buy much on Amazon. It cost about the same as Prime. So I got rid of Prime. I still use Amazon a little bit, but I did get rid of Prime and that's kind of how it'll stay. I don't see the point of don't use the services of Prime enough. And if now I've seen the hard numbers for the shipping, it's also like, eh, it's not worth it. Well, what's fascinating, it's, Rob, is that you're still paying it, money to Amazon. You're just not paying as much money. So depending on what type of product you're buying. And a lot of those have free shipping without any subscription service. So if, if you're willing to exactly. do the work, it's not much work. Yep. It's like open two web browser tabs and see who has the best price and factor the whole price in, not just the stated price, then yep. buy from there. And so that'll make me buy less from Amazon. That's basically all for adding ads to Amazon video, which I didn't even use to begin with. The biggest thing that pissed me off for Amazon, and this is what started the whole thing, is like, I now dislike Amazon, is I bought every season of Top Gear on Amazon. I paid for it. I owned it. And I had it in my library, and I could go watch it. And then at some point, half of them disappeared because rights or whatever. And it's like, oh, they didn't give me my money back. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I already owned that. If I'd have owned the DVD and you change your licensing, you can't come and take the DVD back. But you can take back a digital yeah. version. It's like, that's utter bullshit. So I kind of stopped using Amazon Video at that point. I've never been back. And now they've added ads. It was just like salt in the wound. So I looked at the other stuff. So I think people will look at other services if and start to, to back away from them. Not because the service isn't useful, because of the salt in the wound. Like, no, you screwed me once. I'm not going back. But I do think they're more connected than black and white would say they are. I'll agree. I'll put the alpha value somewhere between zero and one, but closer to zero for me in terms of correlation than one. So with this... Again, we've got these analysts that have basically released a statement. My comment on it is, you know, there's not a lot of new information. The prediction I've got is if we start seeing more layoffs, that probably portents the dividend. So it's something we'll be able to track throughout the yeah, rest of the year. Yeah, I agree. Year. I think the analyst announcement was just analysts being analysts. And like I said, it doesn't take a rocket science I agree. To a, or an analyst to be like, well, Meta did it. Who else could do it? Oh, look, Amazon and Google. Agreed. Congratulations. You have an MBA Agreed. to tell me that. I could have told you that the day of the meta announcement. I could have told you all three of them the day before. It's like, it's not difficult to pull some stats and be like, well, these people should pay dividends, but don't. Agreed. A lot of the commentary I've seen is much more about what it would do to the overall marketplace rather than an analysis of the companies themselves. So in that, I, I think we're ahead of them. Cool. All right. We'll come back to this one as news comes out, frankly. We'll sort of see exactly how well this is playing out in the next month, two months, six months, basically. We'll see how our predictions do, and we'll grade them then. Cool. That works. Cool.